Welcome everyone to Resurrection Life Church in Cadillac, Michigan. Thank you for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us, and we pray that you encounter God's goodness through the message today. Okay, we're in a series called Start Living for a Change. Say, Start Living for a Change. And I, so this, this message uh, series was birthed uh, coming out of our, our last one called Crossing Over. And I didn't just want to cross over. I want to figure out how to live in the land. Like, I, wanna, I, wanna, I don't want to just cross over and look at the land. I want to live in it. I want to figure out how to live. And especially in a time like this, like, how do you live life? How do you live the abundant life that Jesus died for in a time like this? Um, and it is possible, and it is very doable. And so that's what I want to, I want to get us to that place where we can find that joy uh, in any, any circumstance, any situation, on the mountaintop or in the valley. Because, um, so we say start living for a change has a dual mini, meaning, want you to live, but I also want you to understand change, because change is the key to living. Change is the key to living, and if you're willing to change, then get ready to live uh, change is okay for me. Now, some people embrace it. I love change. Change is just okay for me. Um, as I try to convince myself when I'm challenged with it, right? But change shouldn't be foreign to us. It's been happening our entire lives from the womb to the tomb. The greatest change that you will ever experience in life is the day that, that, that you pass on into heaven. That's, that's the most amazing change we'll ever experience when you step through those pearly gates. Um, that, that's, so for those of you who have lost loved ones, and it is a difficult thing when you go through that, but just understand that's the greatest change. Uh, that, that's really where life begins in, in its fullness. But we're, change should not be um, foreign to us. Um, so I guess we should be getting used to change and we should be getting better at trusting God through change. At least that is his goal. Because he knows that change is absolutely necessary for living life to the fullest, but I understand it can be difficult to embrace. But here's our staple verse regarding change. It's a really incredible truth in Romans 12 too. You've heard it probably many times, but it says, do not be conformed to this world but instead be transformed or changed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So first I want you to look at that verse and see those first few words. Really the word do not. Say do not. Ooh, that's right to the point. Do not. See, what I've found out when I look at do not in the Bible, I... Finally understanding it's not a suggestion. <laughs> it's actually a commandment. And this is extremely important to know. For example, when our kids were younger, probably two and four years old, and they started having a quarrel, sometimes things got a little out of control, and sometimes someone might have lashed out and accidentally hit the other. I would say, I would go to them and say, hey, do not... Hit your brother. Now you know who's guilty. Do not, do not hit your brother, right? I, I didn't say you probably shouldn't maybe hit your brother. No, no, no. I just said do not. Say do not. 
And here this verse starts out with do not. Paul just gives it to us straight. And the reason for the do not is because if do not isn't there, then we will not discover what God has planned for us. It's such an important do not. Matter of fact, whenever you see do not or don't in the Bible, let your ears perk up. It's not a suggestion. But I believe if we can't understand the do not, be conformed to this world, I believe it's extremely difficult to get to the rest of the verse. We, 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 it's hard to understand God's good, pleasing, and perfect will, but I understand that do not challenges our free will or even our strong will. But let me tell you about do not. Do not keeps us from harm but also blesses our future. Do not, I mean, come on, you heard that when you were a kid. Do not touch the stove. Do not run in the street, you know. We heard it a lot. But do not keeps us from harm, but blesses our future. So he says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, the world's way, the world's moral compass, because that way of thinking only hinders us. So back to the verse in Romans 12 too. Here's the biggest secret to change right smack dab in the middle. So do not be conformed to this world, but be changed or transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so we discover that change comes by the changing of our thinking, Right? Because it's in the mind where true change begins. We said it's in the mind where true change begins. See, what, what, I, what I want from you is I don't want you just to hear a message I want, or, or listen. I want you to hear what I'm saying, what God is saying. I want you to, to tap into the Holy Spirit and to teach you something that I'm not even saying. Because... Because that is how we're going to change our, our, our thinking. I, I, you know, some people just come to, come to church, well, Pastor Dan said it, I believe it. Great, but I want you to go home and try to, like, crack that open. Make sure I'm, make sure I'm telling the truth. Make sure I'm teaching you what, what you need to hear, right? So go home, study it. Something will pop up in the message today that you're, you want, you're interested in. Go home and do a little research, right? It's good. In that way you'll begin to change the way you think. Or you can just come to church and be like a robot. He said it. I believe it. You know, but I'm really not hearing what he's saying. You guys feel me there? Get, get what I'm saying? Word. So change begins in the mind. Please hear this. Not your heart. Begins in the mind, not your heart. That's what he's saying right here. You know why? Because I understand this because I gave my heart to Jesus in 1994. But you know what happened? I heard the gospel. I thought about what the preacher was saying. And I thought about how bad my life was. <laughs> right? And then I believed in my heart. Right? So the preaching of the gospel is extremely important. The Bible says, how will they know unless someone tells them? They won't. They won't. So the preaching, the teaching of the gospel is so important because it gets us to think differently, right? Change our mind. 
Even the word repent. You ever heard that word? That's a church word. Repent. You know what it means? Think differently. That's what that means. Think differently. So we can see this kind of, this principle all over the the place in the Bible. But I've noticed that many people struggle with truly gaining the freedom in the mind that Jesus died for. You know, we're, we're, we're told to have the mind of Christ, right? So there seems to be a major battle or stronghold that hinders us. So today, I want to begin to expose the enemy of the mind in order to change the attitude of the mind. Say attitude. That, that's really our key word today, attitude. Attitude of the mind. Because it's the attitude that determines your altitude. It's the attitude that determines, yes, if I'm walking around sad and fearful and discouraged, well, that's really how high I'm going to fly or low I'm going to fly, right? But if I can get to a place where my attitude begins to go higher and change, well, I'm going to fly higher. The attitude determines the altitude. It's how high you fly in life. The attitude is the difference between our barrier or our breakthrough to the blessings. Is anybody here today? It's a little early, I know. Did you get your coffee? Good. Here's a great verse to start with. Ephesians 4, 22-23. I want you to look at this. Paul's saying, you were taught with regard to your former way of life. Remember, the former way is, I didn't have a story. And now, this is my story. This is my song. Now I got a story. But this is the former way is there's no story. The former way is you don't know Christ, right? To put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. But look at this. But instead, to be made new in what? The attitude of your minds. You're telling me that the mind has an attitude? Absolutely. Come on. You know, I knew Emily had an attitude when she was younger. Her mom used to say she would stomp. There's little red curls, right? You had red hair kind of, or, or whatever. That she would stomp her feet like Shirley Temple. And those curls would go flying. Just stomp her feet with that attitude. An attitude is, is defined this way. Listen, a settled way of thinking about someone or something. A settled way of thinking about someone or something. Attitude is really a reflection of a person's thinking, but a person's behavior. That's what it is. Even the Bible says, hey, you know, look, look at your kids. Well, don't fall far, far from the tree. Now listen, nobody's perfect, but I'm saying kids that continue in a certain way, you know, there's a good chance that they, they might pick something up. Like parents, we say, uh, don't, do what I, don't do what I do, just do what I say, <laughs> right? So we tend to get settled in our way of thinking, and that settling create the settling creates the attitude, the, the life attitude that we have. So it's good if your attitude or your thinking is settled in the goodness of God, in his salvation. Doesn't it make sense the Bible says, put on the helmet right with, of salvation? Like one of the things we need to put on each day is we need to think about the salvation of God. Think about what he's done for us. Think about our Savior, our wonderful Savior. 
Think about God's love for you and the world. See, that's settled in the right way. But, but that's not good if you're settled in the wrong way, like a worry mindset. A worry mindset. All of us worry, but living with worry is a whole other ball game. It is a settled way of worrying. And by the way, let me just encourage you today. If any, any worry warts here, come on, just be honest. All right, good, come on, worry warts, come on, right? Worry warts, right? Well, I understand that. I, I would tend to, to move toward being a worry wart. But I've gained an extreme amount of, of victory over, over that. Um, that. That's what I'm going to show you today, how that, how that happens. But, um, but when we become settled in worry, it could be that it's generational. Sometimes you look back and think, oh, mom was a worry wart, dad was a worry wart, grandpa was a worry wart. Sometimes it's just generational. Like you, you had no other choice. You popped out of the womb and you were a worry wart. You had a worry wart right on your bottom. <laughs> but at least, listen, that's okay, right? So it, it, it's, it's okay. Like, like I would tell people, it's not your fault, but you can change it. You can totally change that worry wart to a worship wart. Because here's the thing about worry. Worry has absolutely no production value. It produces nothing. Why in the world would we be attached to something that produces nothing? Literally, produces nothing. Right? Nobody wants to work on something all day long for eight hours and have it produce nothing and actually worry does worse than that. It, it, it produces nothing good, so it must be eliminated. That's just a little, for us, us worry warts here today, that, that is what we need to hear. So here's my question. When faced with battle, when faced with trial, temptation, COVID, what is the attitude of your mind? What, is, what are the settled ways of thinking in your life that might hinder you from living life to the fullest? Does your mind default to a fearful attitude? Does it, does it uh, default to a know-it-all attitude? How about a shame-filled attitude or even a critical attitude? I found out that critical people are actually critical of themselves. That's what they are. And, and they think that God is critical towards them, and that's got to change. I could stop right there. No. Uh, so these are just a few of the settled ways of thinking or the attitude of the mind that need to change, amen, in order to live. Because again, it's the attitude of the mind that determines the way of living. So I'm just going to try to bring this the best way I can. So let's try to, let's learn how to break the wrong attitude, right? And let's learn how to make the right one. So next week, don't miss next week, because I'm going to show you the ingredients to make the right attitude. But today I'm going to give you some, some other stuff. It's going to be really good. First, let me encourage you with this. We are changed by the renew, renewing of our mind, but mind renewal sounds weird, is an ongoing and progressive work of God. It's a lifelong process. Please know that. So have patience with yourself and others, but know that each change of your mind will bring more life. 
So look at this verse, and I'll explain it in a moment. There's a lot of stuff in here, but let me just explain it after I read it. 2 Corinthians 3, 12 through 18. Therefore, since we have such a hope in Jesus, we are very bold. We're not like Moses who put a veil over his face. Say veil. A veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. God wouldn't let them see the glory of God. He had to put the veil over his face. But, but their minds, but their minds, who were looking at Moses with a veil, were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord changes their thinking regarding Jesus. The veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, and we all who are with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into the image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Woo! Man, okay. Now, this particular verse is talking about a religious attitude. That's what that's saying. It's saying someone opens up the Bible and they're just reading it for what it is, but they cannot learn because there's a veil over their face. They, they have not accepted Christ yet. So to them, their minds are becoming duller. They can't understand. See, we, we need to strive for the, the relationship mindset. Emily, hand me that veil, if you would. I had to look for, I had Emily a, uh, asked me for a veil. All I had was my boxers, but I didn't want to bring those today. So, um, <laughs> so <laughs> don't shake your head at me, Bush. Listen, so this is it's kind of like a veil. This is what I'm talking about. When you, before you know Jesus, this is, this is the way it is. Now, I can see you to a degree, but I'm going to stumble I'm going to stumble, and, and I can see you, but, but I can't really make out the, the, your face. You probably can't really make out my face very well. Um, but this is what happens when you, a person does not know Jesus. This is the way I lived all of my life until I gave my heart to Jesus. But when I finally surrendered my, my heart, I started thinking about him, and all of a sudden the veil was gone. And now I'm like, whoa! And it really was a whole new world. That's what it was. I'm like, what? I've been missing this my whole life. I have freedom. And, and things were changing because, by, by the way, transformation is an ongoing process. So, but, but my eyes were opened. I'm like, oh my goodness. Why didn't I do this in my teens? I wasted so many years, but I did. God redeems the time. I love it, but... But so that's exactly what happens when you give your heart to Jesus. Now, what happens as a Christian is what happens, this is what happens. We all of a sudden are living life and things are good. And next thing you know, something happens and worry starts creeping up. Or fear. Or the critical attitude or whatever it is. All of a sudden it's creeping up. And before we know it, the enemy has placed a lie or a veil over our face. And we're born again, we're Christians, but we're struggling. We're struggling with freedom because our mind and our eyes have been veiled by something else. Anybody understand that? Do you guys get that? 
You, you, you can be a Christian born again and saved, set free, going to heaven, but yet your life still isn't living the abundant life Jesus wants for you. There, there's still a major, how do you do this? Still a major, I don't want to mess up my hair. Still a major, major, a major stronghold or barrier in your life. And you could go on and on. Fear, shame, pride, whatever it is. But it's there. And now you're like, man, I'm confused. I feel like I don't have purpose. I get down a lot. I'm depressed. I'm, I, 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 I like, I, I just don't, and, and all of a sudden, we're like, I don't want to live this way anymore. Well, then you discover that, oh, there's been a veil. And all it is, my friends, it's just a lie. Because the veil's been taken away. It's just a lie. So once you realize, like, man, here you go, thank you. Once you realize that, wait a minute, I'm set free. I'm free. But the enemy will say, no, you're not. You, shame. Look at that mistake you made last week. Oh, no, no, you are a mistake. Veil, shame. You know, you better worry. This is not going to go good. Everything we're going is not going to go good. Fear. That's a lie. That's not what the Bible says, right? The Bible says something completely different. So, but that truth that we're trying to hear kind of bounces off. Does that make sense, you guys? I want to try to make that as simple as I could. I hope that that helps. So what is our job? Our job is to discover the veil, if there is one, and begin to eliminate it by changing the way we think. Simple as that. That's how we're transformed. That's what that verse is talking about. Must be removed in order to live. There's usually one major veil in a person's life. And I, and I go by the scripture that says, get rid of the sin that so easily ensnares us. Get rid of that thing that makes you stumble in life over and over again. Come on, right? That's, that's what happens. So we allow God and we allow people in our lives to help us discover what that veil might be and we need to eliminate it ASAP in order to start living. One of the biggest ones is this, this lie that Satan says, you're not valuable. You're not valuable. I'm telling you, it's one of his biggest ones. You're not valuable. You're not valuable. Because uh, he just wants to keep you in this place of, of, puts a veil over you and says, you know, why would God want to bless me? Um, well, because you are his child. <laughs> That's why he wants to bless you. Just like you want to bless your kids. Because you are his child. That's why he wants to bless you. That's why he wants to take care of you. That's why he wants to be a dad to you. You are valuable. Maybe life, people, circumstances haven't treated you with respect or made you feel uh, not valuable, but God sure does. So you are valuable to him. By the way, you are so valuable that he would give his one and only son to purchase you back. His greatest gift. That's how valuable you are to him. Amen. Yeah, bring it. So the attitude of the mind is a deeper movement towards change. It's not just intellectually receiving the truth. It's believing the truth is in your heart or the inner man. And again, happens by changing the attitude of the mind, by removing that veil that, that seems to 
get on it. So, so uh, you, you may have heard this phrase before. You better change your attitude, young man, young lady. See, I knew exactly what that meant. If I didn't change my attitude. You know what? If I didn't change my attitude, there were consequences. Do you know there's consequences of an attitude? Did you, are, we, are we here today? You guys? You know, right. Come on, that's just true, right? There's, there's always consequences. But if this, this attitude of the mind always brings it. I'm trying to frighten you. I'm trying to say, hey, let's move into what God has for us. Right? So, as we can see, our attitude has a profound impact on the way we lead people. Our, our settled ways of thinking have a profound impact on leading people. Um, it, the attitude shapes our success, our happiness, and ultimately our, ultimately our life. And all things being equal, hear this, all things being equal, the person with the best attitude usually wins. And all things not being equal, the person with the best attitude usually wins. Just go home and listen to that later. You didn't get that. Huh. Unfortunately, many people cling to beliefs and attitudes. Like even right now in this place. I bet if, 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 and I get it. Some people are like, what's he saying? Well, it could be that you have an attitude in your mind that can't understand it. You know, it could be that, you know, sometimes if I just walk up, when I walk up here and I'm, I'm the pastor of the church, you might, have a, you might have a veil of a father wound over you. That when I step up here, you're like, oh. Now when Emily gets up there, oh. When Dad gets up there, it's like, you know. Just, just like be aware, like be aware of the thing that, that the, the, the mindset, right? The settled mindset. Just trying to help. So listen. This could be the most sobering moment of this message today, but liberating. You determine your attitude. I determine my attitude. Your attitude is the, one of the few things in life which you have total control of. Regardless of the circumstances, what you've been through, that attitude is the thing that we have control of. Say amen or something. Like I said before, I'll keep preaching if I don't hear you. <laughs> A long time. No. So one famous author says this, the greatest discovery of my generation is that a human being can alter his life by altering the attitude of his mind. And I know people are saying, well, what's this got to do with Christ? Everything. Everything. Jesus died so that we could have his mind, his attitude, his life, right? So let's get real. You don't have to blurt it out. What's your attitude right now? What's your attitude right now? What's your settled way of thinking right now? Uh, and if you can answer that, and it and it's, and it's hinders you, then what needs to change? What needs to change? Because when you we embrace the change, when you embrace this change today, you're on the verge of something miraculous that gives glory to God. I've witnessed this over and over again. People that had a veil of shame, a veil of fear, 
a veil of worry. Listen, we all go, go there, but when you start living it, it's different. A veil of bitterness. Oh my goodness. I've seen the veil of bitterness literally keep people trapped in their life. And all of a sudden, in a moment when they just said, I'm getting rid of this thing, I am eliminating, radically eliminating this, this mindset of bitterness. And all of a sudden, their life miraculously begins to change. I've seen it over and over again. Yes. So I want to compel you to this because God has so much for you, so much for me. And by the way, it all begins in your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now back to our main character for a moment. I'll try to get through these if I can. Um, it's worth, have you guys heard some, something so far? You, got, you guys good? You're not just waiting to get out. Your mindset isn't thank you. Your mindset isn't just waiting to get out of here. Okay, so now back to Joshua, our main character of this series. Joshua led over a million people over into the promised land as well as his own promised land, and he learned how to live the abundant life, Old Testament style. But I want to find out what kind of attitude this dude had. And I believe you can find out what his attitude was like, not just by looking at his life, but by looking at the life of his best friend, Caleb. His best friend, Caleb. Remember, it wasn't just Joshua who made it through. It was Caleb too, right? Yet there isn't a book about Caleb. Why not? Well, because I have a theory about that. It seems that Joshua gets the credit, but I believe that Caleb was a human driving force behind Joshua's success. So imagine with me for a moment, if Joshua was the captain of the ship, then Caleb was in charge of the engine room that no one saw. He was in charge of the engine room, the power of it and the fuel for it. He was the positive attitude, the encourager, the life force. He had the right attitude. It reminds me of me and M, my wife. I may be leading, but she is a life force behind this whole thing. She is a life force. I may be here teaching, but I'll tell you, she's a life force. See, because I can be Eeyore at times, where my attitude starts to go down a negative direction. Any Eeyores here? <laughs> You're all, thank you. The rest of you are not telling the truth. Listen, I can be Eeyore sometimes, but thank God for Tigger <laughs> or Emily. Tigger brings the life, the energy, the positivity to the moment. Caleb was that kind of guy. Caleb modeled the right attitude and was rewarded for it. We know the story. God rescued them out of Egypt. He said, I got a great place for you. And all of a sudden, as they're standing on the edge of the promised land, ready to live in this promised land, they send 12 spies out. And all of a sudden, they come back after, like I said last week, this cluster of grapes that were so big, two men had to carry it. They're seeing an amazing land. But 10 of them saw giants. Two of them saw God. Two of them were Joshua and Caleb. So 10 came back. And that day, my friends, two attitudes were birthed. A negative one and a positive one. 
Joshua and Caleb saw victory and the rest saw themselves as victims already. Oh my goodness. If there isn't, if there's one thing that will, that will hinder you in life, it's when you see yourself as a victim. It's called victim mentality. You have to see yourself as a victor. Victory in Jesus. Come on. Don't make me sing that old hymn. Victory in Jesus. The rest of them saw defeat. And by the way, when they saw defeat, they created an environment of defeat that caused an entire nation to miss out in the promised land. They literally missed out. They all died in the wilderness, by the way, because of their attitude. Thank Courtney. Watch it, Bob. Because of their attitude, right? Because of the attitude, right? Now, listen, God, God's not being like mad. He's saying, just do not have that kind of attitude. Because that attitude will make you wander, confused in life. You mean, Dan, that a negative attitude can affect an entire group that way? Yep. Look at the Hebrews 12, 15. This is how powerful, just powerfully destructive bitterness is. It says, look after each other so that no one of you falls to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, comma, comma, troubles you, right? And then it corrupts many. You see that movement? Bitterness spring up, troubling me, get into a group, boom. They all get infected by the virus. Look at this, Proverbs 17, 14. The beginning of strife is like releasing water. That's why one thing that, 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 that my job in the church is that when strife comes or when, when, when there's, that's happening, is my, my job is to go ahead and handle it as quickly as I can because guess what? It's like releasing water. So when, when we hear it, it's like, you know, hey, sorry, I love you, but I, God, God, I'm an overseer of the church, and I just can't have that happen. So, and by the way, let, let me just say this. I, I had a word um, at the beginning in, in worship. I think it's just time to say it. God... People say, well, man, are we, are we heading to home churches? You know, are we all going to the home church now? What's happening? What's going to happen, you know, now? What's transitioning? There's the word I feel like God gave my heart. It doesn't matter if we go to home, home church or big church. What matters is the heart of a person. What God is, the only thing God's looking at in this moment is our hearts and whether or not we can live together in unity. Because, because the home church, and I don't know who this is for, the home church says, I don't like what the church is doing. So then they gravitate into a home, but it never started the right way. Right? It never, listen, God doesn't care if he had a million home churches or a million huge churches. In my personal opinion, I believe this is going to grow because, because it's how it started in a temple. People came together and worshiped God, and it's how it's going to end with People naturally, organically wanting to be together, whether it's one and one or just together as a group. You guys get what I'm saying? So, so like, don't look at home church, big church, small church, medium church. Look at where's your heart and where's the unity in your heart? Are you, are you looking to cause strife or division in a small home or big home? Listen, stay away from that because it's like the releasing of water. That affects a whole body. I don't, I, that just, that was, uh, that's not even in my notes, but I hope that's for someone. 
Here we go. We're almost done, I think. Um, Joshua and Caleb were thinking with the right attitude. They were looking for God's favor and therefore were looking at God's favor. And even though they had to endure 40 years of wandering in the desert, they still, the only two people that made it to the promised land. Why am I saying that? Because no one can stop God's favor in your life except you. No one. Well, they're No, they're not. No one can ever stop God's favor in your life except you, except the attitude of you. I don't want to hear this message this morning, Dan. <laughs> Is this blessing anybody? Is this challenging anybody? <laughs> no, I love that. So he's got saying, I like these guys. Man, they, they, they're, they're a lot like me, he's saying. These two guys are a lot like me. This is what God is saying. Um, so here's, here are the, the quick, I'll be done. I'll, I'll go to them. Here are the three quick attitudes of Joshua and Caleb. Here we go, ready? Numbers 14, 24. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their fair, full share of that land. In other words, number one is they had, Caleb, Joshua had a different attitude. Say different attitude. Different spirit, different attitude. He wasn't easily swayed by the crowd. Please hear this. He wasn't easily swayed by the crowd. Man, we could go there right now and say, man, what, 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 what are people swayed by? Fear. Fear, fear, right? That's the main thing. Fear is one of the biggest things people are swayed by. You're not swayed by that, swayed, swayed by faith. I'm not saying being reckless, but I'm saying by faith, which we trust God. We need to come to grips as believers that we are not like everyone else. And if I could say anything to you, you must be you in God. You must be you in Christ. It's the only way it works. He had a different, Caleb was different, man. He was being himself. Standing for the truth when it wasn't popular with those in the world. Too many Christians are more concerned about what everyone else thinks than what God thinks. Can I say that in church? Think about Jesus. His main concern was not whether people liked him or not, but whether people believed him or not. He did not care if you liked him. He liked his look, his beard, whatever. You know, the fact he had sandals, he didn't care. He just wanted you to believe him. That was his main concern. Different. Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit. They did not give in to deception. They did not give in to the lies. They did not give in to the gossip. They did not give in to the selfishness. Their minds were filled with lights. Therefore, they were not confused. They were not darkened. Number two, they had a different uh, attitude, and they had a deliberate attitude. Say deliberate attitude. This is so important, meaning purposeful, methodical, intentional. Their, their thoughts weren't scattered. They had a sound mind. Isn't, you know, that's the mind that we have. The enemy want, wants to lie to you and say, you don't have a sound mind. Oh, yes, you do. You kidding me? You not only have a sound mind, you had access to all the wisdom in the entire universe. Right now, come on, I'm telling you. That's what kind of mind you have. 
But the Balaam says, no, you're not. You're dumb. You'll never amount to anything. You may have heard that. You'll never amount to anything. You can't figure that out. You never understand the scriptures. That's not God. Right? That's not God. God is saying, hey, you have the mind of Christ. You have a sound mind. Right? This is Caleb's attitude as they're about to cross over into the promised land, which they didn't, but this is what happened, Numbers 13, 30. But Caleb tried to quiet the hundreds and hundreds of people as they stood before Moses. He said, let's go at once to take the land. He said, we can certainly conquer it. Deliberate attitude. Like I said a couple weeks ago, the devil works in maybe land. Jesus says yes or no. Confident, intentional, and even decisive. Caleb wasn't messing around. He was deliberate. He was willing to stand with God when the crowd was more willing to oppose God's will. That is the true test of any leader, any leader, is that when you know something to be true in your heart that you don't give in very quickly to the rest of the crowd that you say, you know, let me, the best thing to do is hold back, listen to God, pray, wait patiently, be still in the presence of the Lord, like we said last week, right? He was trying to save their lives. See, what we do is we are going to face adversity, but we, we don't, we don't face it, we face it. We face it. We walk by faith and not by sight. See, the positive attitude, I'm almost done, is a result of a deliberate way of seeing, thinking, and responding to life. It is intentional. It's not naive. It doesn't sugarcoat problems, but instead, it sees the problem and then thinks about finding a solution or the opportunity that's right in it. It's mental toughness, my friends. It is mental discipline, which leads me to this final point. A different attitude, a deliberate attitude. See, there's some things today that you just have to make a decision in. You, 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 some, some, maybe somebody's here thinking, man, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. And God is saying, just make a decision. Like all the decisions we have to make through, through this transition, the key is, is that we make a decision. We don't just sit and, uh, we make a decision, right? Make a decision, yes or no. Yes or no, that's it. Different, deliberate, and here's the other one, a disciplined attitude. Oh my goodness, really? You gotta throw that word out, discipline? It's not the word I wanna hear today, Pastor Dan, but let me say this, discipline will save your life. Discipline is an orderly, consistent conduct behavior. There's two types of discipline. Discipline, uh, dis to be disciplined, right? I'm not talking about that today. Or to do discipline. That's what I'm talking about. The thing that you and I can do consistently that will bring great reward. Discipline. Say discipline. Well, what was Caleb's discipline? Right here. Glad you asked. Numbers 14, 24. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit or different attitude in him, he has followed me fully. There it is right there. 
What has he done? He had a follow-through attitude. A disciplined follow-through attitude. Now, I don't know about you, but what I've learned is that in order to reach a goal, to finish a work, to follow fully, you've got to have a discipline, a routine, a good pattern to follow, a follow-through. Say follow-through. Right? Follow-through. That's it. Something even very small, like coming to church. Way to go. Good job. Way to follow through. Because I know in the morning when, when you get up, like, man, it's raining, it's snowy, it's, I feel cold, I'm hot, I'm in a bad mood, we just got in a fight. Right? I know the things that can hinder us. But because you follow through, you hear one of the most amazing messages you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> you see my brown shoes. Listen, because you have followed through, guess what? You will be rewarded for it. In the simple thing, just like church, just like reading, you know, a psalm a day or a proverb, just those simple steps by reaching out and helping someone by just doing something and following through is so powerful, more than you know. Matter of fact, I'm here, and I don't talk about this much, but I'm here because I just followed through with something. Uh, Ten years ago we came here, the church was Struggling in many, many different ways. Spiritually, you name it. For those of you who understand that, you've been here for a while. And they told me that when we got here, they said, Dan, just to let you know, you're probably the interim pastor because what happens is, is 90% of all pastors that come into this situation leave before a year and a half. And when I heard that, I'm like, thanks a lot, Eeyore. Where's my Tigger, <laughs> you know? Well, my tigger was the fact that I'm competitive. I said, well, pff, I'm beating that stat. <clears throat> I don't care if it's blood, sweat, and tears. If I lose all, lose all my hair, I'm beating that stat. I'm not going to be part of the 90%. So I, amen. Well, yeah, I, I, please, I, I, I was careful because I don't want to, thank you. I don't, I don't, I don't thank you, but, but I'm not here to get that. I'm just here to tell you that whatever you do, <clears throat> follow through. Because once I beat a year and a half, I said, well, <clears throat> I'm going to three. I'm going three. I'm telling you, some of the hardest three, five, six years we've ever been through in our lives. Uh, but I said, I'm going, I'm going three. And then I said, I'm going five. And I said, if I get to, if I get to five, I'm going 10. So we're finishing up 10 this year. This year we're going 10. Amen. <clears throat> What's my point? Follow through. That's all it is, just a simple follow through. Put your head down. Finish that little thing you're doing or big thing, and I promise you God will reward you. It starts just small, and we're going to end right here. Just even church, thank you for showing up, and thank you for watching online. Your follow-through watching online is tremendous. Your follow-through when you give or tithe, your follow-through when you, when you do something that even, even people don't see, that God sees, those follow-through moments are so incredibly powerful for you. What they do is they change your attitude, and they develop a right attitude, a different attitude, a deliberate attitude, right? And a disciplined attitude. Thank you. Got to remember that word, disciplined attitude. That's what Joshua and Caleb had. That's how they lived in the promised land. That's how they were successful. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, so much. God, for blessing us today. Thank you, God, for your presence. Today, God, uh, I'm believing, Holy Spirit, that whatever was spoken, that the, the right thing would get into the, specific hearts 
and mind that would help a person change for the better and they would begin to really find that freedom, that the veil would be lifted, that veil of shame or fear or uh, whatever it is, God, that that would be lifted today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're honored that you are with us today. Please connect with us because we want to get to know you. Head to our website, getreslife.org. That's G-E-T-R-E-S-L-I-F-E dot org. And like us on Facebook, Resurrection Life Church Cadillac, for upcoming events and information and ways to connect. God bless you and have a beautiful week.